Hello, I'm Sarah James, a lifestyle blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast in the Lifelisten Network about two women embarking on a self-care bender. We're both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet it's elusive. And while we may have all the information we need, we don't always get there. We want to explore different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious, looking at body, mind, and spirit, and also just some random talk that's thrown in there for good measure. We also want to look at the defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, today we are going to be talking about daily supplements. Since it is, we are in the midst of cold and flu season. We are going to talk about, (laughs) or we definitely are. Are we ever? Yes. We're going to be talking about what supplements we personally take every day. And then we're also going to be discussing the Enneagram type five, which we are, we are more than halfway through with the Enneagram. I'm so proud of us. Yes. (laughs) I know. know. Um, So let's talk a little bit about supplements. Do you take a lot? You know, I don't. Um, and it's funny because I have many thoughts on them, but I have landed on a supplement that I take just one of because it has everything that I need in it. Mm -hmm. And it's a chewable gummy. Oh, well, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) That's I I'm sorry. I love chewable gummies. Well, here's, here's my realization about supplements. I am a child. I'm basically a toddler <laughs> and I only take them if they taste like candy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had to like bypass and actually have to just pony up for some big wigs lately. But I will say if I can get a gummy, I am all over the gummy. Well, so which okay, one I'll is just, it? I will share which one it is. It's Smarty Pants. Um, they're fantastic because um, they're non-GMO, they're gluten-free, allergy-free, free of synthetic colors, flavors, all that kind of stuff. But the best part about Smarty Pants is the folic acid that they have in their um, in their chewable gummy is methylated folate, which for some of us who have an MTHFR mutation, which is a whole thing, um, <laughs> It means you can't synthesize folic acid. So when you take folic acid, it's just sort of roaming around in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so Smarty Pants has methylated folate in it. So oh, that's, that's cool. Them. It's really, it's a great, if you're just looking for a basic multivitamin that's simple, um, it's $14 for a month supply. I buy it on Amazon. I do subscribe and save. So it shows up in my house once a month and they taste like candy. That's so awesome. Can your kids take Smarty Pants? Is it only yes. for adults? No, they, oh, have cool. ch- they have a children's version. They have a women's version. They have prenatals. Um, it, and it is truly a really good, well-made vitamin. Oh, that's awesome. I'm yeah. always, I've kind of got mine nailed down, but I jump around a lot with my kids. I'm always yeah. kind of going back and forth in between. And I actually don't have them. I'll, I have them taking a probiotic right now with um, fiber in it because my youngest has a little issue with regularity. And yeah. so we have to kind of inject a little extra fiber into her however we can. And she doesn't like to drink it when it's all dissolved in the water. So I will say to anyone out there that has um, kids that maybe need a little bit more fiber, maybe they're a little slower with their digestion, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Um, my Her doctor, her pediatrician told me about Schiff Digestive Advantage. And they are probiotic gummies and they taste delicious. And I think they're pretty much coated in sugar. 
but, uh, <laughs> but she loves them. And I can honestly tell Whatever you when she takes them, she is regular. When she does not take them, she is not. So I will always, always, always use that for her. It seems to work really well. And I eat them a lot too, because they're tasty. Oh. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, there is something about a tasty <laughs> vitamin. If you have, if you do struggle with you know, remembering to take them every day. I think there is something kind of small and rewarding about yes, tasting good. I agree. So I think we probably should start off with saying, obviously, we are not doctors. <laughs> we yeah. are not experts on this matter. There are a lot of podcasts out there that have so much amazing information about supplementation and things like that. This is really going to be like, you know, what we do personally. I will say my friend Susie, she um she has the blog Girl Gone Green, which is one of my favorites. She does yes. a have you oh my isn't she awesome? Yes. She's awesome. She um she does a podcast. It's actually on a hiatus right now, but she did all these podcasts last year um with her naturopath. Is it naturopath or naturopath? What do you I say? say? Naturopath. That's what I say too. Okay. So right? it's with her, it's with her naturopath, um, Dr. Mark, and they have done episodes on everything, but she has one particular one called the power of supplements that if you're really interested and I want to do a deep dive into supplements, you would really, really enjoy that. She, um, it has so much information. She is so knowledgeable. And I, I mean, personally for me, I've like, there've been times in my life where I've been really heavy on supplementation. And there've been times in my life when I haven't taken anything. Um, and right now's kind of a time where I think I've really found my balance of what I'll probably take for the rest of my life until of course I find out one of them is going to kill me, which, you know, is going to happen. <laughs> That's going to happen at some point. It always happens. I always look at them in the morning and I'm like, which one is going to be the one that's killing me? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, I, this actually got me thinking when we were talking about vitamins and supplements. So I actually did just a very small amount of research because I didn't know if there was actually a difference between a vitamin and a supplement. I did not oh. know. And so basically a vitamin is defined as a natural substance usually found in food that helps your body be healthy. And then a dietary supplement is defined as a product taken orally that contains one or more ingredients, usually involving vitamins or amino acids. So supplements more like blends. Usually it's uh, more, more than one thing where a vitamin is just kind of like, you know, bam, one. it's the vitamin. So, you know, there's like the two different kinds of vitamins, the water soluble and the fat soluble. And the water soluble ones kind of travel freely through the body. They're excreted through the kidneys. Um, you usually take these in like frequent small doses. Um, they're not as likely as fat-soluble vitamins to reach toxic levels. Most of the water-soluble are all the Bs, which I don't know if you're taking a B right now. Um, like folic acids, folic acids, water-soluble, biotin is basically all the Bs and Cs are water-soluble. And then there's the fat-soluble ones, and they're not excreted as easily as the water soluble vitamins. So they don't need to be consumed as often. Although you kind of have to have, you know, adequate amounts to meet your needs. Um, but with fat soluble vitamins, they can become toxic. And those are vitamin A. And you know, we've always heard like you can't take too much vitamin A. Right. Um, vitamin E, you can take too much of and a vitamin D you can take too much of which I figure is probably going to be a hot topic because vitamin D is like, 
everyone's talking about vitamin D. Oh, my vitamin D is yes. so low. Oh, my vitamin D is so low. Is your vitamin D so low, Kristen? <laughs> um, well, you know, it is during certain times of the year. I mean, generally speaking, I live in California, which, you know, provides me with a lot of sunshine. Yes. Um, but certain times of the year, mine can get low. Yes. Mine is low. It's always been pretty low. I think it, it usually comes in in the um, high 20s or the low 30s. And, you know, lots of physicians and especially naturopaths that are like really into supplementation and vitamins, they'd really like to have your levels in the 70 to the 100 point, which I mean, I just don't think I'm ever going to get there. But um, I was having issues with, you know, just brain fog. Um, feeling really lethargic, um, kind of like mood swings. And so when I had all of my um, vitamins and everything tested in my blood levels, my vitamin D was super low. So that's my number one supplement that I take every day that I can't miss is my vitamin D. And um, I actually take 10,000. I use a vitamin D a day, which is well over the, you know, the recommended daily limit. But what we found was when I was taking the 5,000 IUs every day, nothing was happening. Um, none of my symptoms were improving. And when I was bumped up to the 10,000 per day, it's like all of those symptoms just disappeared. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, and I know a lot of friends, I feel like half the people I talk to are like, oh yeah, my, I just found out my vitamin D is really low. So oh, that's I a, know. I mean, everybody's got, it yeah, seems everyone. like low especially with just the way we are in today's society, especially in, in America. It's like you're rarely outside. You're not eating foods um, that have a lot of vitamin D in it. So, but that's definitely something you want to talk to um, your physician about because yeah. don't, don't just go start taking 10,000 IUs of vitamin D is what I'm saying. <laughs> right, right. Because it, you can, you know, it can be harmful if you're taking too yes. much. Yes, yes, it definitely can. And I mean, in regards to what you were saying, like that is what's so difficult about the whole supplementation issue. Many of these things are lifestyle issues. It's it's that we're sedentary. Yes. It's that we're indoors now. It's that we don't eat whole foods. So a lot of this is kind of making up for our lifestyle issues. It absolutely is. Because if you read any literature, you'll see immediately that most of these vitamins are met in your body, your needs by eating a well-balanced diet. You they don't need be. to be, yeah, they should be. But unfortunately, that's not the case for many of us. Mm -hmm. And so we're having to um, do the supplementation for it. Yeah, absolutely. So I do the vitamin D. Um, uh -huh. What else do you do? I also take a B complex. Mm -hmm. um, you know, B vitamins can really help with stress. Um, if you are someone that feels like you are under a lot of stress, um, B vitamins, they alleviate stress by working with your brain chemistry and they basically can balance neurotransmitters. And that just kind of helps aid achieving balance over your stress. And that's something that it's uh, pretty widely agreed upon about B vitamins. If you are feeling like you are really stressed out or as you're starting to get a little bit older in your 40s or 50s, a B complex is a really, really great idea. Um, and like Kristen said, you know, she has to take her methylated folate. Folic acid is a B vitamin. So the B complex I take um, is actually straight from my physician. 
just, you know, I just obviously trust my physician, what she thinks is best for me. And mine's actually a blend of B6, methylated folate and B12, because B12 is yet another vitamin that people are really lacking. Yes. And a lot of people even get, you know, B12 shots. I have done that. Have before. you done that? Was that, mm-hmm. did you think that was helpful? I did. Yeah. I mean, you know, B, it's tough because some of, some of these things we're talking about, for example, vitamin D, um, B12, um, magnesium, you know, they're not easily absorbed into the body through a pill. It's like we want, we think right. we can just take something and it's going to fix everything. Um, but, you know, B12 injections are much better in terms yes. of efficacy um, than trying to take it in a pill form. So I have done weekly B12 shots and it was, it was really nice. Yeah. It gives you energy. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. I have found that this blend has worked well because I've had my numbers tested before and after um, three or four months of taking it and they were all significantly up. So I really like this blend. I, I prefer to take a pill over anything sublingual or drops or whatever. I don't know. It's just easy. I I put all my supplements in my hand and I take them all at the same time. So I've got that B complex I take. I have my D that I take every day. I always, always take a probiotic. I mean, if I I just, people, if you are not taking a probiotic daily, please start taking one. I mean, it's not just to help with your typical <laughs> abdominal, this like actually, I mean, they're finding science. It's like study after study is showing that probiotics. I mean, your gut is like your second brain. And if your gut is off, you can have mood disorders. You, I mean, there's so your immune system can be kaput and you're getting sick all the time. So probiotics, not just to make your tummy feel okay. It's actually helps you to build a stronger immune system. So you stay away or you don't actually come down with more colds and things like that. And especially in this season, probiotics are just huge, but there's so many out there. (laughs) Yeah. Like I walk into my like whole foods or whatever. It's just like a wall, a wall, an entire wall of probiotics. It's a little bit insane. We're going to link up to our favorites on all of these on selfiepodcast.com. Yeah. Um, but I, I have found, you know, sometimes Amazon can be a great resource because you can read reader re- reviews. Yes. That, you know, not that you want to just trust the general public, but I do feel like, you know, when there's, you know, for example, a probiotic that meets the standards that I have set for myself in terms of like, it doesn't have anything funky in it. Right. There's 600 reviews and they're all five star. It's like, well, you know, you know, yeah, I feel like, okay, that makes me feel good. I totally agree. And in fact, the one I use is called Prescript Assist. I buy it on Amazon. Yeah. And it's great. Yes, and that's a good one. That's, that's a, a really great. And one. that one's got a blend of so many probiotics. It's literally yes. the label goes on and on and on, but I like it. But it's also something that if, if you're new to probiotics, I have a couple of girlfriends right now that I have finally gotten on the probiotic train. And I will say it does take a week or so to get acclimated to it, it can make you feel really gassy at first. Like your stomach kind of feels like it's full of air and you're yeah. like, oh, this, this is bad. I should, I'm like, just, just power through that because mm-hmm. it's just your stomach. I mean, it's being introduced to all that good bacteria and your stomach's like, Hey, what, what is this? I don't know. So once you get past that, you'll be golden. And I promise you 
I'm not going to make any like heavy handed claims right now. But if you're taking a probiotic every day, I bet you're going to have far less colds and little ailments than you used to have. I totally believe it. I love my probiotics. And those ones, like I said earlier, for the kids, that digestive advantage, I buy that on Amazon too. Those are those probiotic gummies. And my kids love them. I mean, they're always like, can I have four? No, you can't have four. My kids never not eat the whole thing. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's important too. You know, when you're talking about supplements, you have to figure out what works for you. And there's the ideal, but then, you know, there's realistic too. And like you said, like, You'd rather just swallow them all at once than take sublingual. Like there's a lot of different. Lifestyle type choices. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, you could get so caught up in doing everything correctly that you just, it becomes (gasps) too difficult and you don't even do it at all. Uh, That's the story of my life about four years ago when I was having a lot of health issues and I, oh, you remember you saw my medicine cabinet. Oh yeah. It was like you would open it and just bottles were falling out of all these supplements that all of these naturopaths and doctors had told me to take. And I wasn't taking any of them because I just was like, I was so paralyzed with too much information. And so now that I have literally, so I've got the probiotic, the D and the B complex. Mm -hmm. Um, I take those three every day, simplified. Now there's a couple more that I take um, for migraines, which I don't even know if you, if we should talk about that. Yes, we should. Okay. Well, so I finally started seeing a neurologist for my migraines this year, and he is probably the smartest man I've ever met in my life. He spent three hours with me. Yes, three hours, not his nurse, just him and I in a room talking about this because wow. I never had had a migraine before this year. This is another beautiful thing that happens when you when you're in your 40s and you start going mm-hmm. through perimenopause are these migraines. Accurate. Well, what turns out to be is that I have been having migraines for a very long time. I just didn't, they weren't classified as like what I thought a migraine was. I thought a migraine mm-hmm. was that thing that happens on one side of your head and you have to lay in a dark room and you feel nauseous. Like, I'm like, that's not what I was having at all. Um, in fact, for years, I was having these dizzy spells that you probably remember, Kristen, me talking about how yeah. dizzy I was all the time. Oh, well, that was actually a migraine. It was a migraine with an aura. It didn't have pain. So I never realized I was having migraines at, those, at that point because I didn't actually have pain in my head, like the typical, you know, pain. So anyway, uh, after long talking, we've, these have actually turned into painful ones as I've gotten into my 40s, which is awesome. But um, he recommended two different supplements or vitamins to take the first one being magnesium mm-hmm, now yes. my, my neurologist recommends taking 250 milligrams one to two tabs of those twice daily now anyone out there that takes magnesium if you do the math you're like no flipping way i would be on the <laughs> toilet all day because it can really yes. get things moving yes it can I cannot take that much a day. So I take 250 milligrams once a day. And my pills are actually 120s. So I take 120 in the morning and 120 at night. If I take anything more, my stomach gets upset. But I Yeah, and I think that's that's an important thing to note about magnesium. It it's super helpful for perimenopause issues, um, both the migraines and mood issues associated with PMS, all that kind of stuff. Um but you have to work your way up with magnesium because <laughs> it will 
colon blow quick. <laughs> it will so. totally colon blow. And not only that, I've noticed it even gives me indigestion. It's like, it's yes. like both ways. It's just your stomach is totally. like, no, no, no. But it is very helpful. It's another one too, where there are different applications. There is yes. magnesium gel that will apply to their feet um, because they don't want it in their system. I take something um, called natural calm. It's a, it's a magnesium drink. Um, just because I find that that's a little easier on my system. So magnesium is a funky one, but it's really important for women. It is, it is. And that, that's another one that they found is, can be very deficient in lots of people. Right. And, um, and if you're having mood issues or yes. your period, cannot recommend this enough. Anxiety, mm-hmm. cannot recommend it enough. Absolutely. So it is definitely, I think magne- magnesium is just like a, it's a do all. It's a good, it's a, it's a good thing. And it's especially it good for those migraines. If you're a migraine sufferer, mm-hmm. the other thing I take for my migraines is riboflavin, which is actually mm-hmm. B2. Mm-hmm. It's another water soluble. And I take 400 milligrams once a day. He recommended that to me. I just, you know, I started taking both of these um, and I've made other changes as well, but I found that my migraines have been way, 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 way less and way toned down when I have them. So I feel like I'll always take these, but I will say riboflavin turns your pee (laughs) literally like fluorescent yellow floor. Yes. Almost to the point where it's like, I'm like, is this going to stay in the toilet? I mean, it's, it's so bright yellow and that kind of, that kind of sucks, but um, yeah. But they're very helpful. And I trust, I trust my neurologist. He is a very, very smart man. He's been doing this for a very long time. So, well, I want to say something on the note of doctor recommendations as well, though, because obviously you want to follow what your doctor recommends. At the same time, supplements are a business. And I have certainly had doctors sell me supplements that I found much cheaper elsewhere. Oh, girl, yes. So you do have to be a little careful because I think, you know, prices can vary so wildly on supplements Mm -hmm. and you can be led to believe that you need a certain kind of supplement that they can only provide you or, you know, you need to do your research because it's a business. At the end of the day, doctors are getting a kickback. When you're buying from them, you may be spending a lot more. Don't be scared to do some research. And again, I mean, we keep singing the praises of Amazon, but they do have just about everything that I've ever been recommended from my naturopath. Yes. For much yes. less. And you can, less. Yeah. And you can find it and read the reviews and then do, take it a little step further and then do your own research on the company that's manufacturing mm-hmm. that particular one and make sure that they're following all the guidelines and they're right. meeting all of your personal standards. So, I mean, I cannot agree more with you. I mean, I feel like a lot of these offices you go into, usually not in MD offices, but other offices. And it's just like, you know, the wall of supplements. And, yep. and there were times when I was taking all sorts of like herbs. I don't even, I don't even know what these things were, Oh, you I know? know, the black cohosh. Oh God. Just and the, all the crazy stuff. So yes, much stuff. I've been there and I just like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And then one physician finally said, you know what you're doing? You are making yourself have extremely expensive pee. That's what you're doing. <laughs> And that was like, okay, I like you. He's like, it's just expensive pee. You're pissing that all right out. So I was like, yeah, we're going to like take this down to vitamins that I know I've been tested that are a little bit low. And then I do also know show benefit across the board, you know, because I'm probably not getting enough because I'm not eating the best diet in the world. 
None of us are. It's well, none really of us hard are. To do. It's totally hard. So is there anything else that you take? Like, what about when you're feeling sick? Like a cold's oh, coming on. Brother. Well, when I'm sick, I just take, I, I just got over being sick and it was horrendous. And I literally took anything anyone has ever said might help ever. <laughs> I took elderberry. I took oscillium, <laughs> um, whatever that stuff is. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, when I'm sick, all bets are off. I will take anything. Yeah. <laughs> that maybe could work. I was downing turmeric. I was downing apple cider vinegar, honey. Oh God, girl. We should do a whole episode on stuff you take when you're sick, honestly. I, I really do because yeah, I was thinking Both about Western this. and non. Yeah, because I've tried a lot of stuff. But I do, I, I do think that vitamin C obviously is important. Yeah. The, you know, the liposomal vitamin C, have you ever seen that? I took this a couple of years ago for like a no. year. It's the one that's in a packet. It's like a weird gel-like substance that you pour it into water and it just suspends itself. Like a, it looks like a little Whoa. alien pod and you drink it. And it's almost like an oyster going down your throat because apparently it gets to, I don't know, it gets to all wow. the cells. I don't know. It's super expensive though. And, and that's where I got to the point where I'm like, really, are we? And it probably is. I'm not saying it doesn't work better than regular vitamin C. But at that point, I'm like, okay, if I'm paying like $30 for vitamin C. So I love I my, know. I like my emergency. You know, the little know. packets that are fizzy. Yes. They're great. That in the little zinc lozenges. I forgot yep. who makes them, but I, man, I'm telling you, I really think that those zinc lozenges, like right at that first tickle in your throat, if you start taking those, I really think they help that. And then neti potting your nose. Well, I agree on the zinc lo lozenges, but those can give me intestinal upset sometimes too. Oh, they do. Yes. Well, my mom was one of the ones that, you know, used that one brand and sprayed it up her nose and she lost her sense of smell. Oh my gosh. There's like a huge, there's like a huge law. I mean, this happened several years ago and there was like a class action lawsuit because people basically lost their sense of smell from spraying zinc up their noses. And That's my mom, horrible. my mom is one of them. She can't smell. Oh my gosh. I know. Well, okay. Cautionary tale. I think it was Zycam. That was it. But I yeah. take I take the Zycam, the lozenge, like I the one that you dissolve on your tongue. I don't spray anything up my nose. I'm pretty sure I just literally sprayed that up my nose last week. Well, I'm I and sprayed I'm, anything up my nose <laughs> that I could find. I'm sitting here thinking it's probably not Zycam and I've just like totally trashed them and it's not even their deal. I just remember it was some sort of zinc spray up your nose yeah. and it was like horrible and my poor mom i'm like i'm okay, sorry really mom scary. i know I, I know so you got to be careful so maybe that should be like let's tie this up with a nice little bow and say you should consult your doctor you should yes. be really careful you should follow your instinct you should mm -hmm. do your own research <laughs> <laughs> but they can be super helpful how about yes. that yes there we go <laughs> Well, today we wanted to mention um, a really incredible offer from one of our favorite companies, and that is Grove Collaborative. Grove Collaborative is an incredible online website that has all kinds of clean and green and non-toxic products. They have beauty products. They have cleaning products. They have a number of our favorite brands from Acure Organics to Alba Botanica They've got Burt's Bees, they've got Dr. Bronner's, they've got Earth Mama Angel Baby, tons of great stuff. Um, I get most of my um, 
facial products from them. I get my hair products from them. And I definitely get all of my cleaning products from them. And about once a quarter, they offer um, my readers an incredible deal. And we wanted to share it with you guys today. Um, it's a gift with purchase for new customers. And here is what you get with your first purchase from Grove. You get a Mrs. Myers hand soap, a dish soap, and a hand lotion in the scent of your choice. It comes with a really cute white cleaning caddy and their walnut scrubber sponges, which are like the best sponges ever. So you get all of those things um, with your first purchase. Really, really good gift with purchase. And you can get that by using the following link bit.ly, so bit.ly backslash selfie grove. Um, use that link and they will add all of those items into your cart and will ship them to you for free with your first purchase. Um, you can also see the link at our website, selfiepodcast.com. Um, but again, bit.ly backslash selfie grove. Go check it out. We really think you guys are going to love this company. All right, let's talk Enneagram. So today, this is we are in an ongoing series on the Enneagram. If you have no idea what we're talking about, we encourage you to go back to our introductory episode on the Enneagram. But we've been going through each type, and today we are talking about type five, which is the investigator. The investigator. Well, you know, I pulled my trusty book out, my book that I talk about almost every single episode that I love so much, The Road Back to You by Ian yes. Morgan Cron. Super good. Um, what it's like to be a five. By the way, do you, I have some fives in my life. Fives are hard to understand. They're intense. They're really intense. Yes, yes. So this, in this listing of what it's like to be a five, these are some phrases that Ian Morgan Cron has put together to help you maybe see if you relate to this. I can take care of myself and I think others could do the same. I don't always say things out loud, but in my head, I am pretty sarcastic and cynical. I often feel awkward around other people. I need time alone. If I want people to know how I feel, I tell them. I generally wish they wouldn't ask, though. Mm. Um, I think thoughts are more reliable than feelings. I need a couple of days to process and experience or know how I feel about something. They are deep thinkers. They're critical thinkers. They're innovative and inventive. And those are, you know, many of the, um, many of the strengths. Um, but that can look like isolation and extreme independence. Yeah. So I don't well, know. they can be really private. And yes. I think they have to be drawn out a bit. Yes. So some famous fives are Stephen Hawking, Bill mm. Gates. I think Einstein was a five. Albert Einstein. I'm not yes. positive about that. I've heard that. A lot of, you know, visionaries, scientists, like incredible thinkers, usually fives. So we have two really great conversations with people who identify as Enneagram fives. Um, the second is going to be my friend Kelly Nikandeha. But first, we're going to chat with Seth Haynes. Seth is the author of a memoir called Coming Clean about getting sober. And he's actually an attorney turned author. We'll talk about that in a sec. But Seth, um, talk to us about how you became interested in the Enneagram. How did you first learn about the Enneagram? Um, you, may, you may know this. Like, 
it's one of those things you 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 can't remember not ever knowing about, but you know at some point you didn't. That's how I feel about the Enneagram. I, I'm not sure that I I can like put my finger back on, oh, here's where I learned about it. But I, I just remember probably, I don't know, four years ago, um, just sitting on the couch and talking with some people about the Enneagram and about how it describes so much of life. And um, just slowly, really over the last four years, um, that the type, the Enneagram uh, typology has just really helped me identify, you know, who I am and what my needs are and maybe what some of my core fears are um, and those things. So for me, it's been kind of this slow evolution. It's probably been about four years in the making. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So I want to dive right in because, you know, as a therapist, you said core fears and that, of course, piques my interest. What do you feel like, what are, what are some of the core fears that you have as a five that have been revealed to you in this kind of self-exploration journey yeah i think for me the 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 primary core fear has been one of scarcity that there's never enough um and and that acquisitive nature um like i always i can't stop acquiring information or grabbing information and somehow i feel that if i don't get all the information there is out there about any particular thing um, that I'll just make a wrong decision, right? Um, and also, um, as a five, like that acquisitive nature, like consistently grabbing out, reaching out for information, um, that that's the kind of thing that drives me into um, like all sort of all sorts and manners of like just weird, weird fears, like weird, uh, almost idiosyncratic fears. So like my primary fear, like when somebody says, What's the fear that keeps you up at night? Um, this is going to sound like BS and it's going to sound really weird, but it's true. Like my primary fear is that there is one novel out there, one book out there that will completely unlock the mysteries of life for me and that I won't find it until it's too late. Um, so it's just, it's all these little idiosyncratic things that that being a five sort of brings out this, this acquisitive nature brings out that, that kind of makes you feel um, sometimes like you're a little crazy. That's so fascinating because while I can appreciate collecting knowledge, I don't feel like I have any fears around collecting knowledge, but it sounds like that is. Oh my gosh. Weird. It's like the worst fear. And, and you can, as a five, like I can rethink every scenario six ways to Sunday. Because the data collection and the data sets are so important and how those data sets connect. Um, so, you know, something as simple as is this the next right career move may take me, you know, months and months and months to work through and consider and think through because I'm collecting so much data and all the data could be read a different way, you know, and so. Um, there's this, there's almost this frozenness that comes with, with that same type of data collection, but I can't not do it. So you have to go through the pieces basically. How do you knock yourself out of that paralysis of overthinking and looking for a feedback loop of data? Yeah, well, sometimes you don't. I mean, that's the scariest part about being a five is sometimes you cannot get out of those feedback loops. Sometimes you can't make the data work out to an answer and 
that that's just yeah, the way that's life, life. Is. <laughs> yeah right but as a five like you don't want to believe that you have mm-hmm. this core belief that mm-hmm. like if I could just gather all the information, it would point me in the clear direction. So the truth is sometimes you just can't get out of those loops. Um, and for me, it's been particularly helpful. I'm married to an eight, and which is absolutely insane sometimes because Amber <laughs> has so much. Her. Yeah, yeah, she has so much like, challenging energy um, and is a five. So often I just want to retreat into my data sets. But there'll be these times where I'm retreating into data sets and Amber will just come out and say, Hey, look, you have to make a decision. And, um, right. and, and that's, that's been really helpful for me as a five and also fives when, when, when moving in integrated ways, when moving towards integration, like that's, that's where we want to be. We want to be eights. So for me, it's been super helpful um, to be pushed and to moved into like taking all this information and all this data and actually making a decision, actually being an activator. Um, but it's hard. Yeah, that's so interesting. It totally makes sense. And one of the things that I find so fascinating about the Enneagram is that it does reveal kind of our, our inner turmoil and it's so Mm. different for each type. Yeah. What you're describing, it's like, I don't, you know, that's so different from my own internal experience. And yet it's so real for you. Yeah, totally. Totally. And on the plus side, I mean, there are positives to, to it too, you know, and, and that's where I'm, where I found even in the last six months where I found the most freedom in the Enneagram is looking and saying like, but here are the positives, right? So like as a data collector, and I actually, been talking with a few fives about this lately because it's it's surprising to me um but we all seem to share the same tendency um i was at a group meeting a while back and a bunch of people were going around the room talking about the shame of not being enough and they kept talking about shame and shame and shame of like not adding up not being enough not this and that like i i did this thing and it was terrible and i wronged my fellow man this way and i hurt my spouse this way and they kept talking in these like shame loops mm, yeah. and my priest my priest was there and afterwards i went to him and i said i don't understand at all like these shame loops like you made a mistake you acted on the wrong data point you hurt somebody say you're sorry move on don't be in shame about it you know like move on you know with yourself and he looked at me and he said yeah that's really easy for you to say because you're a five you're not driven by shame and Uh, it was all it was this epiphany and I I called a couple of my other five friends and I said hey are you guys driven by this like shame mechanism this guilt mechanism and all to a t they said no that's so interesting because I mean I absolutely resonate with the shame base like yeah yeah when you're describing that I'm like oh yeah Every night yeah. I lay in bed and think about all the things I did wrong. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <And> shame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the five, especially a five with a four wing, like that mechanism is not there. I can lie in bed and keep myself awake thinking, how does all this data add up? And if it doesn't add mm-hmm. up, what does that mean about the cosmos and the nature of humanity? And are we all going to burn down and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I can get in those loops, those fear loops, but yeah. Um, but the shame loop just, it's just not there. Yeah. But you can spend a lot of time thinking about the ethereal, the philosophical. I mean, would you say that's true? Oh my gosh. It's like my favorite thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could get paid for it. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I was not the least bit surprised to find out you were a five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like if there's one thing that fives, at least that I love to do, and that a lot of my five friends love to do more than anything, um, like if you were to come to me and say, hey, Seth, let's go to a concert tonight. Like, let's go listen to this great band that you love and blah, 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 blah. Or you could sit at home and, um, you know, read Kierkegaard. Like, it would be a hard decision for me. I would probably <laughs> want to sit at home and read Kierkegaard, you know? And wow. so um, these are the things that, that, that fives love. Like, we love being alone. We love thinking about philosophy. We love literature and poetry. And we love to get together and, and talk about that. If we're going to talk about anything, that's the kind of stuff we want to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I enjoy that, but then there comes a point where I'm like, okay, now we have to move to action or practical application. Right, but right. my five friends could just keep ideating and talking. Yep. Forever. <laughs> Forever. As we, as we say in the practice of law, ad nauseum, ad nauseum, infinitum, forever. Absolutely. Okay, so quickly tell us how, you know, how did you transition from you know, being an attorney to being an author, which they seem, you know, like really disparate career choices. How did you make that decision? And how did your five type play into it? Well, the decision was brutal, as you can imagine. Um, Because, you know, here I am, you know, at a law office making fairly decent money, and then I'm going to try to go leave and be an author and a writer and a co-writer making who knows what kind of money. And so immediately we have a data point that comes up that's really hard to reconcile. Known quantity of money versus a non-known quantity of money. And as a five, I mean, that move right there, I mean, it takes significant effort to clear that data set. Um, But as far as the job itself goes, like once you can clear those particular hurdles um, and you can make the transition, what, what what I found is, is as a five the things that made me good as a lawyer as a five are the same things that made me good as a writer as a five the ability to take in a ton of information the ability to analyze the arc of the information and and to say like Mm -hmm. this is what that means Mm -hmm. um and so in my day job now primarily what i do is co-write and ghostwrite and in that um i sit down and i listen to a person i take in their life story i take in all their information i help them synthesize you know, what it means to them and what they want to put on the page. And then we craft an arc around that. And that's the same skill set. It's a, yeah, it's the same skill set. It's like sitting down and pulling all the case law and saying, what is it, you know, yeah, yeah, what is this show and what is the arc and what should the court do? Mm -hmm. So it's the same. the, The cool thing about being a five is that you can have very logical outputs and you can have very creative outputs and both of those things scratch the itch in really interesting ways. The difference then becomes about the other subsets of data, you know, the money, the family structure and dynamic and those kinds of things. Yeah, which, you know, that's all very, <laughs> that's yeah, all very difficult yeah. too. Yes, yes, yes. Well, what's next for you? What's your latest project that you're working on? Well, um, I'm working on um, a project with a guy who had ALS, for, who has had ALS for 17 years. He's still alive. It's an amazing story. Um, but it's his story about intimacy with, with God and how he found, um, you know, what it meant to, to, to commune with the divine through this, like, life-wrecking 
um, disease. And um, so I've worked on that project. I've got a couple more in the hopper. And it's, it's funny, um, even as we're talking, I'm analyzing, uh, is, this, is, the, is the wisest thing for me to keep writing these books that I love, I've le- learned so much from, or is it to go back to the practice of law? So even as we're talking about next projects, I'm asking, is my next project um, a fluid move back into the practice of law or, or some sort of hybrid? So it's, it's as, you, as you can probably guess, being a five sometimes is maddening especially for my wife. Yeah. Well, actually, last question. I mean, what advice would you give to those of us who have five partners or friends to, um, you know, better relate to the fives in our life? Um, I think one is just listen to them. I mean, one of the, one of the hugest, um, pains of a five is that we're not super great all the time at first drafts. So even in conversations, I'll say things that'll come out, you know, completely wrong on the first draft. But like inside me, I have so much energy to, I know, like if you would just understand me, if you would just listen to me, if you just knew the data that I know, then this would help you. And, and objectively, I mean, I say this objectively as a five, like as if this is not subjective, but objectively, <laughs> uh, I can tell you as a five that it's true. If you would just listen to me, I can help you. But part of the problem is that we get, we get like really stuck in our modes of communication. And so it takes sometimes a long time to like really get to the point as may be indicated yeah. in that sentence. Yeah. Um, so I would say, listen, I would say, listen. If you have a good skill set of communication, help your five friends communicate. Don't try to make them feel like let them feel on their own. Don't force them to love or to hate or to be angry or to be happy. Um, just be there and listen and, and, and just live life with them. That's really good advice. That's, I mean, that's good advice for everyone, probably. Yeah. Um, particularly for our fellow fives. Mm-hmm. Said, thank you so much. It was so good to chat with you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Well, we have one more friend that we're going to chat with today about being an Enneagram five. It is Kelly Nikondeha. Um, Kelly, like Seth, is also a writer. And while I am a writer and that may... Um, <laughs> mean that I have more friends than usual who are writers. I do think it's interesting um, and not a coincidence that they are both fives and both writers because as we know, Enneagram fives are very in their head. Um, Kelly is the author of a book called Adoption, Sacrament and Belonging in a Fractured World. Um, Like myself, she's also an adoptive parent and she was adopted herself. Kelly and I just spent a weekend at the Richard Rohr Institute. Richard Rohr wrote an excellent book on the Enneagram called The Sacred Enneagram. And so much nerding out was had about the Enneagram over that weekend. Anyway, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Before we dive into being a five, I would love for you to tell us how you got interested in the Enneagram, how this became a topic of interest for you. I was dragged into it kicking and screaming, I would say. Uh, most, a lot of friends around me were attracted to the Enneagram 
uh, more quickly than I was. And at some point, I had to understand this new language that they were using in order to be part of the conversations. And so um, one of my friends was an Enneagram coach and uh, her and I were together and she said, let me just, you know, type type you. So she had some cards. Um, she pulled out a deck of cards and I thought, whoa, I do not want to get involved in tarot. (laughs) And she she said, no, no, no. These are cards that you use (laughs) to help people discern what type they are. And, um, so that helped because I had somebody who, uh, you know, made it easier for me to actually figure out where I fit. Um, she also knew me quite well. So she already had a pretty good sense. And this just confirmed that, yes, in fact, I was a five. Well, that began, of course, you know, a season of learning. And uh, of course, I feel like we still are always learning more about our type and how we interact with others. So uh, it really was in relationship that I came into the Enneagram. So basically, you were peer pressured into it. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. As many people are, it's funny, I was hanging out with a group of friends the other night. There were six of us, and three of us were well-versed in the Enneagram, and three weren't. And the three who weren't were just rolling their eyes. Like, what you're talking about. Yes. Please stop. Please end this conversation. Yes. Okay, so talk to us about being a five. Well, that's a really open-ended question. Well, you know uh, me. I know. Oh, of course. I should have should have thought about that when I uh, jumped on here. I, well, fives live in their head happily. Like, I love a good idea. I love a good book. I love, um, I, I'm an introvert as well, which I'm not sure if, I, you know, not all fives are introverts, but I am. So I can really just be happy in my own headspace. Um, and sometimes I feel like I'm my own best company. You know, if I want to go out and somebody wants to join me, it's like, you know, I actually think my own company is going to be better here. So (laughs) (laughs) it's terrible to admit, but you know, as a five, you know, if you have some really good cognitive fuel, uh, you don't necessarily need any, anything or anybody else, um, in order to feel content and energized. Um, so I have always really thrived in the world of ideas and learning. Um, So I guess it was no surprise, you know, to find out that that was my orientation. Um, Fives also are really key on credibility. We want Mm. to be credible. We want to be known as credible people. And, And so, you know, one of our fears is being perceived um, as, as being, you know, gosh, she's not credible. She doesn't have the chops for this. Um, you know, that is the big fear for a five like me. Uh, so, you know, recently my book just received an award from Christianity today. And for a five, that is about the best feeling in the world is to feel like your industry or your peers have, um, given you that seal of credibility that they recognize that you're the real deal. Uh, you're not, you know, you're not faking it. Um, so that has, I've been living off that high for a couple of weeks now because that hits all the sweet spots for me as a five. 
Yeah, that's interesting because as a three, I can relate to that desire to, um, you know, have people like your work and be admired. But for me, it's a little more around performance. For you, it's about intellectual credibility. Is that right? Is that right? Correct. Absolutely. I want, you know, I worked hard, you know, to write uh, a book that, you know, pulled from my own experience and observations as well as my theological uh, studies of scripture. And so to have people be able to say, yeah, we see the validity um, in your experience and your understanding of scripture and the way in which you pulled it together. So my competence as a writer, as well as a thinker and a theological practitioner, I mean, really, we want just people to know we're credible in whatever it is we do. <laughs> so even in our community development right. work in Burundi, you know, it means a lot to me that other practitioners recognize that what my husband and I do, you know, is credible and is achieving goals, you know, for the communities we work with in Burundi. So really that for me, when I heard that word attached to a five, it was like, yep, that's absolutely true. It is a deep need for me uh, to feel uh, that I'm not a charlatan. I'm not faking it. This When people can look and say, yep, that she's got it. She's the real deal. It's so interesting. It's, it's you want to be known, yeah, for that authenticity and credibility. And you are a person who's interested in the deeper things in life you know, the, the bigger themes. I mean, you're just one of those people that I feel like when I get in a conversation with you, it's going to be deep. Is, is that a hallmark of a five? (laughs) I, you know, I don't know if that's all fives, but I antidotally, I could say that the fives that I'm in relationship with, all of us seem to go deep. So I would say that, you know, I haven't taken classes on this And of course, as a five, that's one of the ways that we think that you get to know things (laughs) is you study it, you take classes. (laughs) But I would say from observation that, yes, we tend to want to go deep. Uh, We want substance. Uh, We don't have I mean, I'm not as intrigued by surface stuff. Um, So small talk is, you know, small talk. It has to be a pretty quick on ramp to really substantive uh, conversation. And often, yeah, that would be deep. It would you know, have some teeth to it, or uh, it, it has to be engaging and interesting and, and pull you close to something that matters. Uh, or else, like I said, I'm just happy with myself having those kind of deep conversations um, if somebody's not capable of having them with me. <laughs> You'll have them with yourself. <laughs> And I will enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. It's so funny. So what are some of your favorite things about being a five? If you were going to look at, you know, the strengths of a five or the things that you feel like you bring to the table, what are some of those things? I think that a five's capacity to focus, uh, to go long and deep. I, I, it's hard to say is that I love my ability to do that. And I think that is a function of my fiveness, uh, you know, is to spend, you know, maybe it's spending a three or four hours going into something and being able to hold focus. Um, but also there are things I have been studying for years. You know, I've been reading about Israel, Palestine for over 12 years and 
I love that, you know, we can continue to go deep and discover new facets. Um, it's like I'm not easily bored. There's always something new that can be learned and added uh, to a body of knowledge that we can continue to develop. Um, and I, you know, I'm a, a lifelong learner. And so I think my fiveness serves me well. And I, I enjoy that. I hope that that informs my work, that it allows me to have work that is more um, durable uh, because it isn't just something that I came up with yesterday, but some things that I've labored over um, with much love. But I hope that that allows me to bring something substantive uh, to conversations that I want to contribute to as a, you know, I hope that that's what my fiveness um, facilitates. Well, I certainly think so. I mean, <laughs> you are one of my favorite people to listen to. And you know, what's interesting about about you, and I'm, I think that this is probably a part of, of that five um, type as well, um, you can talk extraneously, deeply and thoughtfully, you know, like you, I, I need an outline and a plan and I need to know what direction we're going. Like you are an incredible speaker um, and thinker, but you can, you can kind of fly by the seat of your pants, but still really have well thought out things to say. Well, thank you, because I don't feel that way. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would prefer to have the outline and to know, like I almost asked you before we got on to have our conversation, what are the two or three questions you're going to ask me? Because I would like to, you know, prepare and be ready with some really nice, succinct um, responses for you. Um, spontaneity, I wouldn't say is necessarily one of my strengths, but uh, if you ask me a question about something that I have been thinking about, um, I know you and I recently were together and talking about Israel-Palestine. Well, that's something I've been thinking about for a long time. And so I can I can be spontaneous within that conversation because I have, you know, a wealth of research and data, right, and experience over the years. Or right, if we're going right. to talk about liberation theology or we're going to talk about the book of Isaiah, you know. It may seem like I'm riffing, but really I'm pulling from, you know, Extensive years. Research. Exactly. Yeah, uh, because I, I tend to not think that I'm a really great extemporaneous thinker. Uh, I feel comfortable speaking in front of people. And so that, you know, that that part is easy for me. And I think extemporaneous speaking is a lot of fun. If you are prepared, um, you know, before you get up and and play. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that makes total sense. And, and again, back to that credibility, you, you want to make sure you know what you're talking about. I know that's right. For you. What are, you know, if you looked at where you get into trouble as a five in terms of maybe some of those unhealthy traits that you can veer into, um, what does that look like? Uh, you know, people have said that, you know, your type when when you aren't happy with it because you see it names the underbelly of something. Yeah. And I have to be honest, I didn't have that experience. I mean, I, I read the, you know, kind of the readout for fives and thought, yep, that's who I am. 
I mean, it's almost like you kind of accept cognitively that this is how I function, um, the good and the bad. Uh, so I, I don't have a lot of hand wringing about it, uh, like a lot of my friends do about, you know, their darker sides. Um, I think one of the things, though, is, you know, because fives live in our head, um, we can easily disconnect. Uh, we can disconnect from people. Uh, we can dis uh, disconnect from experience. Um, and especially as an introvert, you know, I can go, I could hibernate easily and happily. And while there is something that can be healthy and productive about that, as especially as a writer, uh, there's a part of that that means I could pull away from my family without intending to hurt them, but I can just get in my own space and not realize that my daughter needs more of my presence. My you know, husband wants to sit and have long lingering conversations um, you know, where I'm present and interacting. Uh, and sometimes I have to intentionally remember uh, to get out of my own headspace and engage with other people um, and experience things. Um, because I, I think fives have such a rich mental life that... A rich interior uh, life. <laughs> interior life. There you go. A rich interior life. So that in a sense, I, I feel sensation within my own imagination, if that makes any sense. And then I forget, oh, but there actually are five senses. I, I need to be smelling things that are simmering on the stove. I need to be hearing beautiful music that pulls, pulls me somewhere, or makes my feet tap. I need that too. Um, but I can get so much of that in a sense, manufacture it in my own headspace that I can easily forget uh, that I actually need to be present, that incarnational uh, presence with other people and even with the world that God's created. So that's uh, that's often the challenge for me is to get out of that headspace and be aware and attentive to other people. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Mm. Okay, last question for those of us who are in relationships with five. How can mm. we how can we better love and understand our five? <laughs> well, let's say I know that in relationship with uh, my husband, who is also my best friend. So I, I would say one of the challenges in our friendship over the years has been uh, him understanding that when I and in my headspace that I'm not um, like, I wish he understood earlier on that it wasn't that I was not wanting to be with him. It wasn't a rejection of him. Right. Uh, I think early on, they're really Personal. right. It's like, I just have some great stuff going on in here and I'm happy and I'm not upset at you. And I'm not meaning to be, you know, he would think that I was isolating or, um, giving him the cold shoulder or that I was too terse, but often I was just so into what was happening in my own head. Um, especially if I was working out an idea or trying to unknot a solution or a strategy for something. Um, and then I would come to the other side of it and realize that, you know, I had hurt his feelings because I, <laughs> he thought that I was not, uh, that I, I guess, you know, I wasn't present. Um, mm, right. but there again, that's some of that is, I wish he understood 
that me being in that space wasn't a rejection. But I also have to grow and learn that he does need, and our friends do require of us, a presence as well. And how to balance that, I think, is always a challenge for a five. But yeah, yeah, I wish people would recognize that we, you know, we are genuinely happy when we're doing this work. Um, That that we're there really is a joy and a fullness. And people, I think, from the outside think, oh, you guys are in your head. You're missing out on so much. But we don't feel that way. We're quite um, energized and happy. um, And it's a very full experience, um, you know, when we're working out ideas and and in our cerebral space. Um, We're not sad. We're not heartless. We're not um, without emotion. Those are a lot of the words that I hear from people. Um, It's like, yeah, I don't feel that way. And I think that's important, you know, for all of us to remember when we're dealing with people of different types that we all have different interior motivations and we don't want to project our own interior motivation onto someone else in the same way that, you know, a two might think that everyone should be incredibly relational and might push that onto you or a three might think it's all about getting things done. Um, You know, I think that's super helpful for me to first of all, be mindful that I'm not projecting, but second of all, you know, recognize that there's no one perfect internal motivation that's right. Anyway, Kelly, thank you so much for chatting with us. This was super helpful. And we will link up to Kelly's book on adoption at um, selfiepodcast.com if you want to check that out further. Okay. That was Really, really good information. Once again, learning so much more about the details of these specific types, right? Yeah, it's really helpful to hear from, you know, people's lived experiences. It is. It's definitely going one step past my book (laughs) (laughs) to actually hear them. So let's see, what do we have up for next week? Coming up, we have Enneagram 6, which we have a great interview for that. There are a lot of sixes out there. And yeah, six is a really common type. It is. It really is. Also, we're going to be talking about snacks that we just can't live without. You know, snacks and self-care. Um, it can be a lovely part of self-care. It can be a troublesome part of self-care. <laughs> it can be troublesome, but we're going to try to keep it he- We'll try to keep it as healthy as possible, but yes. definitely tell you all of our favorite snacks. Yes. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to shepherd audio for our intro music. Take care.